0: I love driving a stick, it just, I just didn't think it was as competitive, I mean, how do you, when you're having to shift and everything else, and compete against it, letting go of a trans break, and letting it automatic shift, it in, and you know, it gets hard in the late rounds, these stick guys you gotta give a lot of credit to, because, I mean, you get into the late rounds, the track's hot and greasy and all, and it's a whole different animal.
1: All right, hello and welcome to another episode of Class Racing Today, it is May 6, 2021, Thursday, so we had a, a couple weeks here where we haven't really been able to have a, a full episode due to uh, new equipment rolling in. We got Brian working his butt off, uh, me, I was traveling around a lot, so it was getting tough, but uh, we excited. We are excited to be back. Today's episode brought to you by Artisan Coffee, Coffee by artisan.com. Go on the website, join the race team, get a free shirt, get a free hat, get 15% off of your coffee purchase so that is coffee by artisan.com here it is all right also we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on youtube we are on apple you guys already know this it's classracingtoday.com is our website classracingtoday at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of us got any questions concerns requests complaints uh need me to come out and do some driver interviews hit me up you guys want t-shirts and stickers hit us up classracingtoday at gmail.com so t-shirts stickers t-shirts are 30 bucks they come with a sticker and free shipping additional shirts are 25 dollars. all right i'm out of breath i haven't done that in a while brian how you been
2: that's good good we've been busy spring's rolling getting my work out of the way and i think it's actually we're way ahead of schedule I started, uh, I actually looked at my trailer today. I got a different trailer and I got to get stuff put in there. Cause our first association race is next weekend.
1: Already. You have an association race next weekend. You've been working. I haven't even, you know, I haven't heard from you in weeks. I didn't even know if you were still alive, but uh, you must be making lots of money. So do you have a spare car, spare motor you can put together for me or what?
2: Uh, we're not at that point yet, but All right. <clears throat> 90, 90% of my work comes in about three weeks. So it gets a little wild and crazy there. I, uh, it's kind of funny. I was actually went and stopped by the Ford. The I get my oil changed at our local Watertown Ford Chrysler dealership, and I'm like, "Why? They must have forgot to put my sticker on because I've got 3,500 miles on and it says I'm past an oil change." So I stopped in there. And I'm like, "You guys got to remember to put a sticker on." I'm like, "I'm busy. I can't keep track of this stuff." He's like, "We did." So in six weeks, I put 8,500 miles on my pickup.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs>
2: I'm like, whoops! I guess I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh boy. Yeah, it's just that time of
2: year, but I'm kind of, I think we're about through it, and I'm excited to find all, get all my junk loaded in the trailer. It's no different than it was in St. Louis, but there's a race of champions coming up, and I need to win one of these rounds quick, or races, so I can make it and qualify for that.
1: All right, well, I hope you get in there, and I hope you remember to change the oil in your race car, not like on your truck, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Especially when that thing was puffing it out. In uh, St. Louis I know you probably added a little bit and you should be good to go now.
2: Yeah I'd like to have it better but I guess it went rounds there so it'll have to go rounds this weekend. It's your
1: signature it's your signature we don't there's too many red Camaros out there we want to see the one blowing the smokestack out the back we know it's you. When I wonder if I re- can
2: do like a smoky and the bandit rap. <laughs> But it'll I be think fun. You should. You should I think co- you should
1: put. I think you should put Green New Deal on the side of your car. <laughs> that was, that's my, That's what I think you should do.
2: Maybe I get a sponsorship from Tesla or something. <laughs> no, you guys will have to start hauling your cars out here and racing with us. So we actually, you can actually go to races. Yeah, we
1: can do something. Right, we had the Virginia National event, which I was excited. It was going to be my first national in a while. I was entered Super Stock, that was just postponed indefinitely, which means they probably won't be making that one up and. A Bristol national event was added to the schedule for October 15th to the 17th. And we have a couple other schedule changes that I just want to rattle off real quick, D seven made a lot of schedule changes. They're going to be racing pretty late into the year. Um, they're going to be going hard through end of September, October, all of October and early November. So get on uh, nhraracer.com racer.com for anybody that wants to see that updated division seven schedule and um Toronto Motorsports Park their PC Richard um, national open so that's a D1 national open has now been rescheduled that was supposed to be coming up in June I think um, it's scheduled for September 3rd to the fifth so yeah. anybody that wants to hit that race up I don't know if the border has been opened yet or maybe it's going to be very soon but September 3rd to the fifth is that open if you want to hit that uh up so let's uh let's Nail down the uh, NHRA Southern Nationals uh, results. We had an, a stock eliminator heads up final, K stock automatic, my class. Thank God I wasn't in this heads up final. I probably wouldn't have gotten very far against Greg Rose car. He has an 88 Camaro and he took out Adam Davis, who had a pretty sick 1969 uh, Nomad wagon. That thing was nice looking. And, um, Greg Rowe, he was 95 on the tree. He knew he had it. He went 11.65 at 103 miles an hour. So he was kind of coasting. And he's pretty darn lucky he did because he went 11.65 with a 5. So he went 99.5 under the index, keeping him safe from any kind of AHFS review. Trigger. And um, Adam Davis went 11.90 at 101 miles an hour. So almost uh, about three-tenths. Uh, margin of victory there for uh, Greg Rowe. And then Superstock. You had a gentleman by the name of Kent Hanley in a GTE automatic 1994 Chevy Cavalier. Takeout, Brett Candies in his factory Superstock G 2010 Mustang Cobra Jet. And in that race, Kent Hanley was 16 Man, that guy was solid all day on the tree. He was 16s, 20s, 16, 20. 16, 20. He had a 47 in there. I don't know how that happened. And he was 007. And with his 016 light in the final, he went 943.4 on a 942 dial to take out Brett Candies. Brett Candies broke out by fourth al. He went 037 on the tree and 945.6 on a 946 dial. So Kent Hanley did a great job. And as a matter of fact, Kent Hanley is joining us right now. So, Kent Hanley, how are you doing, sir?
0: How can you not? How great! By the way, (laughs) thank you, thank you guys for having me on and the invite. I appreciate it, Bobby and Brian. Thanks,
1: absolutely, and thanks for joining us. So, Kent, you not only won Superstock, you also had a runner-up finish in Super Comp. So it was just your weekend at the final uh, Southern Nationals in Commerce, Georgia, Atlanta Dragway. So, like, how how did you pull that off? I mean, did you you just came there on a mission? I guess, huh?
0: Uh, sometimes it better be lucky than good <laughs> you know <laughs> so, <laughs> i'll take my share of luck and my breaks when i got them you know it's uh, we all know that you need it you know to have to have luck you know to go that many rounds and you know three three different days and all and so i got my breaks when i needed and, and so it was, I was just really blessed i
2: always say that <clears throat> the only thing that beats good is lucky but nothing beats good and lucky
1: <laughs> thank you N- nothing beats good and lucky oh. well we I mean, we rattled off Kent's lights there. I, mean, I can't imagine there was too much luck in there. Maybe one round where he was 47, but I don't know what the other guy was. Maybe the other guy red lit and threw you off. So, I mean, your lights no, he outside
0: was, of that. That was definitely my lucky round. You know, I was running Jake Seeley, and um, the weather – that it was, it was Saturday morning, and the weather changed significantly from Friday. Friday was you – a know, barometer was, uh, like, 29 22 and it went and it popped up 10 percent and a uh, 0.1 and the weather got colder and everything else and so everybody was on a fast pass and so um i t- chipped it down not wanting to do something stupid and uh you know jake was uh i think 15 on the tree and so i'm rolling down on top of him i'm trying to get on the left hand side to get in his blind spot and and I got lucky and pushed him out, and it was, you know, at that point. So I, dod- I dodged that bullet. Needless to say, I, I tightened it up on the next, you know, I <laughs> <it> back up, <laughs> it back up. Yep.
1: <laughs> I know. I was hoping. Uh, well, I was, I was hanging with Anthony Bongiovanni, so you had to
0: race him in the third round. I think I, think I raced. Him next. I think I and what was sort of funny was Anthony and I were pitted right next to each other. He was like, I was, I was. They were right in front of each other, and. I'd seen the latter because I'd looked at, you know, the night before as to how that might play out. And, um, you know, I, I, I won that round. And next thing you know is Anthony's coming in my pits and asking me for shims for the trans break button. <laughs> 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 and I'm going, sure, whatever you need. You know, I'll be glad to. Here, take here, take whatever you want. So I'm like, going, I guess he's struggling on the tree a little. So I'm looking at my data real quick. and I'm going, okay, he's trying to tighten it up some. So, you know, who knows what will happen here. but <laughs> and, and then I, I guess it didn't work that well i mean no i think he was like
1: 50 or so so he he you know you can shim it you gotta you can do all that but you gotta take it out of your head that you did that you have to do the same thing you did last time and i feel like a lot of people i mean myself when i adjust my clutch pedal stop or whatever it's you know you did it and you're still like uh thinking about it and it kind of messes up the whole point of doing it you know of making the adjustment Yep. yeah. that's what I think that's what uh happened with uh Anthony if I you know if he's listening right now
0: and he's and, a great uh, guy you don't yeah. get any better better people than Anthony
1: oh yeah he's he's the best yep I, I was hanging with him all weekend he actually took me out to eat twice so
0: thanks <laughs> Anthony you're the man appreciate you guys it. Didn't come over and put it right there next to you guys you I didn't me. know
1: that until it was time to leave I saw I, I saw him uh go in your trailer I was like oh Kent's right over there yeah <clears throat> We should have got, we could have knocked on your door and brought you along. <laughs> we had to drive 22 miles to Athens, Georgia, because you wanted to find an Italian restaurant and there wasn't any near this track. So <laughs> we we took a long trip
2: to,
0: uh, can't, can't imagine there's a lot of Italian restaurants in Commerce, Georgia. <laughs> with slim, slim picking. Don't
2: you guys have Olive Garden down there or what?
0: Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> that Applebee's too. Apple, you know, Olive Garden, Applebee's, you know. <laughs>
2: Well, they all have mac and cheese. Isn't that Italian?
1: (laughs) Yep. Mac and Prevolone. (laughs) (laughs) So Kent, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your Cavalier. It's a 94 Cavalier you run in GTA. So we're assuming it's got a 350 cubic inch engine in it. Yep.
0: Um, we built the Cavalier and I say, we, um, at the time I was raising a stock eliminator and a buddy of mine, Don Sinto, um, had a, um, uh, I guess it was, I'm trying to think. mid eighties Camaro that I had driven every now and then a super stock. And we talked about building a, you know, a GT car and all. And so he had a buddy that owned a salvage yard in New York city. So in 1994, we actually picked up a, you know a scrapped Cavalier and converted it into a race car in 1994. Um, And it started out as a stick car with the 302 combination that I ran for years in GTC at the time. And then, probably about 10 years later, or so I converted it to an automatic, put the 350 in it. And we uh, originally started with a 350 300 horse um, with a power glide, and then evolved to the 350 300 to what I run now, which is the 350 LT1, the 1970 version. Hey, I'm in the background there on your television screen.
1: There you are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how you're doing that run. Looks like you guys are having a staging duel, so we'll let you know in a couple minutes. Oh, yeah, so you, you have the 70 LT1 motor, 350. Okay.
0: 350, 360 horse factored. It's got aftermarket heads, and so it's got the 330 combination in it, and uh, with the Holly carburetor on it, and a, and a uh, Jaxpanic Pro trans.
1: Uh, Jaxpanic, yep. I was going to ask you who who built the trans. So. um,
2: So was it hard to get free of the stick, like the stick mafia? Like, did you get hate mail, or did you have to change your name, or move when you put an auto in a stick yeah. car?
0: got banned you know i couldn't allow to show up anywhere you know and you know they made fun of me you know and and so uh but it was it was definitely i mean i drove stick forever i, mean, I started racing in 76 i mean it actually started out with a 67 camaro and stock and an f-stock automatic and i struggled figuring out the, the converter and everything else and a buddy of mine um wayne henderson who now owns indie gear um helped convince me to put a four speed in it so i ran g stock for a long time and then it then with a 327 275 horse and then migrated over to the 302 and i ran the 302 for years until um, 94 when i sold it and jumped into the cavalier
2: and then you've but- enjoyed you've had a lot more free time at the races now and you get to smile a lot more and go more rounds now that it's an auto right
0: yeah i don't, no, no more having to worry about the you know getting in the can or anything like that adjusting the clutch and and, uh, you know, it's actually, you know, it's a pleasurable drive now because you just let go of the transport button. And you can start looking around and waving to people. And, you know, as a part of the four-speed, you're still, you know, shifting gears and doing all this stuff. And about the eighth mile, you realize, oh, I, you know, okay, I'm done. Now I can look around. You know, so big diff- big difference. A
2: lot more free time. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> in the car and out of it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, Kent, you had some, you had good success with the stick car and obviously without the car, but you've won. Uh, four Nash- NHRA national events and two IHRA national events? Yes. Yeah. right? And, um, and I think what, 10, well, according to Drag Race Central, it said you were four national event wins in eight final rounds and, but we're not counting IHRA final rounds. So we're thinking 10 final rounds and six national event wins. That's a pretty nice, uh, that's a pretty nice, uh, career goal right there. I mean, I'm, I'd be happy with one.
0: <laughs> yeah i was very been very lucky very blessed you know and um and actually you know go back to the stick um i won the i trade national event with a stick and run the keystones with a stick um and super both in super stock and um actually in my first divisional championship in division three and stock limiter was with the stick
1: right so, and that was with the the uh 67, 67. camaro
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, li- I love driving a stick. It just, I just didn't think it was as competitive. I mean, how do you, when you're having to shift and everything else and compete against a tr- letting go a trans brake and letting it automatic shift, it, and, you know, it gets hard in the late rounds. These stick guys, you got to give a lot of credit to because, I mean, you get into late rounds, the track's hot and greasy and all, and it's a whole different animal of how your setup is and all. And it just, there's it's not, it's not. A, I mean, to me, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, guys like you, Brad Zukowski and all, you know, have proved it different. And um, I mean, there's a lot of very, very successful Kevin Helms. Look at how many, you know, championships Kevin won. So yeah, there's guys it's... that can do it. I'm just not that talented. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, you. Yes, you were. I mean, you did. You you did definitely did well with it. Who um who builds your engines? Yeah.
0: Um Gary Hitler does the heads, and the intake manifold. Gary Stannett does the carburetors, and Rick Mann's doing the short blocks, you know. And then I dyno to, I dyno it all at John West Automotive here in Raleigh. David okay. West.
1: You have an all-star cast right there working on your power plant, so from top very, very, to bottom,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty lucky.
1: And down in Raleigh, so you you are a transplant. You well, you moved about, but you were up here with us up in the Northeast, yep. and you moved to North Carolina. How long ago did you move there?
0: I moved in. I moved from uh, Connecticut to Raleigh in 2016, in August of 16. Um, and prior to that, I was born and raised in Indianapolis and most people don't know that I grew up in Indy and, um, and then corporate America, after I got graduated Indiana University, corporate America moved me from Indianapolis to Lima, Ohio, to Pitt, outside of Pittsburgh, and then to Connecticut in 83. And so I lived from 83 to 16 in, um, uh, in Raleigh, I'm sorry, in in Connecticut, but yeah, we love it down South though. This is as far North as I'm ever going to live. (laughs)
1: it's like everybody's favorite thing now getting out of here and going down there.
0: I got like six racetracks within an hour and a half. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane,
1: but aren't they eighth mile or they.
0: Yeah. Everything, everything pretty much is eighth mile. I say that loosely because uh, Dinwiddie Virginia is two hours from me and it's quarter mile, but they typically run eighth mile on the weekends, but they will let you test quarter mile. Um, And Rockingham's an hour and a half South of me. And I've run quarter, obviously, they run quarter mile there for the points races and all. But places like Galat, which is just a world class facility, you know, I'm going to race Piedmont. They got a big bracket race here coming up, which is eighth mile next weekend. Um, Of course, uh, Charlotte's only two, about two and a half hours from me. Got Mooresville, that's two hours from me. There's Farmington, there's Roxborough, there's Fayetteville. I mean, it just, the list is crazy. It's just nuts, you know
2: do you like eighth mile racing
0: yeah actually i think it helps you believe it or not because it, it's so quick you've got to, you know you got to get settled in real quick and start looking you know and and so you i think it helps you train better you know because if you can you know if you can find them and, and and set up on on the eighth mile um you know it's i think it helps you drive the finish line in the quarter mile because you got so much longer you know, in order to set up. Um, but eighth mile's just deadly. I mean, you've gotta be on. I mean you because it just the cars just don't move that much. It's 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 pretty it's pretty I insane. actually
2: I actually really enjoy eighth mile. Like, you know, I'm new to it. I don't well I guess I'm th- third year, third season I should say that. Like I don't have what, three hundred and fifty runs probably in a race car. And I just I like the eighth mile. Like you gotta make a decision, you know, you basically have to go have a plan, execute it and it's over. Like you know, I just, I, it's really fun. It's fast. I, everybody hates it quarter mile and even our association, a lot of people complain about it, but I just, I, I thoroughly like it and just being a student of the sport and trying to gather as much as I can. I feel like some of my best lessons and like the, the most fun and like, Oh, this is how this works. Or, you know, just different strategies are really fun to do one of the eighth, eighth mile.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's um NHRA actually has a divisional race here at Galat. That's eighth mile. And, you know, I think a lot of people were, a little skeptical of it, but, but they have a phenomenal Carolina class racing association out here. That's probably got 20 races during the year and they're all eighth mile. And those guys are just killer. I mean, you know, they drive really, really well and they're all over the place. And, and so, you know, I think, I think all stock super stock racers got to get used to it a little because it's just, um, well, it's, it's a shame to pass up racing just because it's not a quarter mile. And I know there's a lot of folks that just have to go be, be quarter mile, but I don't know many parts of the country outside of like the northeast that are still racing a lot of quarter mile i mean what is it out there with you brian i mean is it is it all you got a lot of quarter mile places
2: um so we've got let's see piers three and a half hours away that's quarter mile we've got thunder valley it's probably my home track that's about three hours away that's quarter mile brainerd's three and a half but we got a little track like an hour and a half from my house it's eighth mile grove creek and that's i like going down there just doing the bracket race thing you know i got the stalker out there just bracket race but man it's fun and Get a lot of passes in, you burn half the fuel. It's half the wear and tear. Like, if you want to try to save some money, you save a lot of wear and tear on the car. I think doing the eighth mile, and then there's a nice, really nice little track in Ottawa, Iowa, down by Sioux City now that's eighth mile. And they've talked about going quarter, but I think it's like anything. If you can get good at eighth and good at quarter, you know, it's just like, you know, you got to build able to. It's just like, yeah, can you drive during the day? Well, I like night racing sometimes too. You know, you get diversity because you never know what situation you're gonna be put in.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: I get the, the, um, the stick guys, you know, they hit, I mean, I could see their argument, but you could also gear up for it. Like you could set your car up for eighth mile too. I realize it would take a little more for it, but be ready for what the track gives you, you know, not what you prefer.
0: And and there's a lot of, I mean, there's a million stick cars out here in that class, you know, the Carolina class racing association. So they, they figured it out. I don't know how I haven't watched them that close to see what they, how they do it, but I mean, they got no problem with it. I mean, they're, they're grabbing the gears and there's a lot of them.
2: I just, I just want to go racing. I don't care where it is or how long it is. You know?
0: <laughs> a cute story was, um, you know, we all know Peter Peter and Kyle, and they set up the flings. And it was a couple of years ago. They have a fling here in, in North Carolina at, at Galat, which is uh, about an hour from the house. And uh, fourth round, um, I, well, went back up. I had, uh, was racing the Superstock car and my dragster at the race, and I'd put a delay box in the Superstock car so I could run it. In fourth round who do i pull up against but dan fletcher so, so fletcher and i are having to run fourth round together and peter peter's on the microphone and so he was having a ball watching two super stock cars you know up there on the starting line during the, during the fling bracket race which is, which is a lot of fun Who won? you were fletcher um i got that one i got lucky on that one. so <laughs> whenever you beat dan you're lucky you know it's like yeah. you know, you're, you're zero room <laughs> I
1: never had to race them, so I don't know. But I've never been lucky against you. I know that. I, I think I'm like 0 oh, for the century against you, Kent. If I'm, if I'm 008, you're 007, man. Like it's uh, You and I have had some tight ones. Yeah, we have. We certainly have. So one of these years. One of these years. I'm coming yeah. for you. <laughs> or, I'm, or I'm hiding from you, probably. i am hiding from you. It's all right.
2: <laughs> as long as you mean the final, it don't matter, Bobby.
1: Yeah, the final. Well, I'll take a final. Yeah, I don't care at that point. Kent, that that 1970 LT1 motor, did you say what that – um, what was that advertised and rated at?
0: It's rated at – NHRA's is 330 because I got the aftermarket head on it, but the factory uh, is 360 on it. So it's the um, – the LT1's like a 202 valve head, and it comes with a 780 Holley on it um, with a little, little, little dome in it. So it's sort of like – it's like the 302 motor, but the only difference is, is it's got a little more cubic inches.
1: all right yeah so d well advertised at 360 you have aftermarket heads on it and you're only rated at 330 so that that's got to be a pretty good combo because if you had the iron heads on it what would it um
0: 320 325 with the oem heads
1: with the oem heads yeah assuming they're iron heads right
0: yeah yeah
1: um wow
0: it actually got hit i mean a bunch of us you know where i was ghouliest customer back in the day we started out you know after um, I went over there for some work, and um, there there's about five or six of us running the 350-300 horse motor, and then that got hit, and so Gullius talked us all into switching to the LT1 because we could take our same heads and just put 202s in them and just put different pistons in them and, and all, and uh, so we went to the LT1, and then that thing got killed and clobbered, and so John's trying to get everybody to, to move over to the fuel-injected, I said no. I've already done this one. I'm not going for the same same It's already cost me a fortune, you know. I'll just stick here with the LT1 and lick my wounds, and I'll be under-factored for a while, or I'll be overfactored and and also. But fortunately, I think the technology is coming around. When things picking up a little again.
1: (laughs) That's funny. So you uh, it was like musical chairs there with the uh, engine combos. I wonder what. I wonder how many they changed since then. Are they still on that one? You think?
0: No, oh, there's they're all sitting on that that L-98 combination, which is just like, you know, crazy fast. Oh, you know? yeah. And, yep. So, and these guys are just, you know, stupid fast. And there's, and you know, because you got the, the 87 and the 89, and there's like two tenths of a cc difference in the combustion chamber or whatever. And so most of them claim one year, and they, they that's, killed that to where it's, I shouldn't say killed it. Um, I think Craig, who you interviewed the other day, at atlanta i think he was running that combination who went 108 under number one qualifier but he was using the the one that they've hit and they got another the the other l98 it's like 30 horsepower less than that that they save for indy
1: wow yeah so for two for what we think is two tenths of a cc in the chamber <laughs> you get a 30 horsepower difference
0: <laughs> wow <clears throat> it's like give you give you an idea like how fast craig goes and craig is fast i mean he'll jump yeah. in you know f and uh i think that motor's rated at 307 and i'm rated at like 330 and he still outruns me you know with, with you know
1: ah uh, you gotta it's a chess game super stock stock is a it's a chess game and I, I do enjoy that part which um i do see that there's a uh there was a vote going on on uh, class racer about the uh the AHFS at Indy yep. and um, whether it should be on, whether it shouldn't be on, because this year they're actually putting it on, right?
0: Yes, it's it, and It was probably about five years ago. The um, actually the SR, you know, racers asked for it. So SREC presented it and and NHRA went along with it. And so they took it off. And then this year they, they finally decided to go back to it. Um, and they announced it right after Indy this past year, which sort of surprised everybody because we hadn't really. I mean, every year we talk about the automatic horse firing factoring system and trying to figure I mean, it's a constant discussion with the SRAC, um, trying to figure out how to make it work better. Um, but everyone's figured the way around it. And I think, um, you know, NHRA finally realized that, you know, we keep taking races away so it can't do its job. You know, how is, how is the program going to work? And, you know, like if you looked at Indy, for forget 2020 because it was an oddball year we really didn't have class per se um but if you look at 18 and 19 um there was 20 it would have normally been a mineshaft race which is hard to believe that you'd think indy would ever be a mineshaft race in the middle of the country it it, would have made mineshaft and there was maybe so that means that the only ones that would get hit are the 120 under ones and there was like 36 cars combined between 18 and 19 that had gone 120 under. And of, of the 36, half of them were the same guys, same combination year over year. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was one year, one of those two years in stock eliminator, it took over a second under to, just to qualify in the 128 car field. I think number like 130 was one second under, uh, which was crazy. Yeah.
1: So, well, just in St. Louis, what uh... – uh, Eric Campolito was driving Ernie Neal's uh, Caprice. He was right. more than two seconds under the index. So <laughs>
0: well, and, I, and I think NHRA's got because in the in the AHVs, um NHRA has the has has a written in there that they could make adjustments if they wanted to. You know, they could step outside the averages and do mm-hmm. it. But I think that because cars have been going so far under the index it's put a lot of pressure on NHRA and the tech department. People are bitching and complaining and saying, Hey, what are you going to do about this combination? And so I think they're trying to take themselves out of the equation and, and get it back to where the the system could work itself. But I'm guessing that you're going to see a lot of one nineteen unders at Indy this year.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, I'm fine with that. You, you can yeah. try that. That's part of the chess game again. So just maybe it does need some tweaking. Um, but whatever they give us, we'll, we're you know we're smart. We're gonna find a way to, to game it. That's just the way everything is. You know? Oh, absolutely. It's the way every sport works.
0: Yeah, yep, absolutely.
2: They should just average your top. You know, they should just take the fastest runs in each class and average those together for that for the year.
0: You know, everyone's. It's amazing the number of suggestions that have come up to try and how to change the the AHFS and how to make it work. And um I'm not sure NHRA wants to put a whole lot of time into trying to figure out a new equation. Um, I think they're they're just trying to struggle on how to get races going this year as well. Um, but I mean it, but it's it has, I think in, I think Indy embarrasses them in the fact that they realize because they they always said in the past, we will not use Indy data for making changes because we told people there's not gonna be automated horse horsepowering factors system. And so they've lived up to their word on that. They said we're just gonna ignore it. But I, but you know, after five years of repeating and seeing that happen, they're going to go say, we got to do something here. So, yeah. I mean, that's why I think they were so quick to pull the trigger and announce it that um, it would be the round for, you know, Indy of, of this year.
2: It'll be yeah, interesting I'm to see what happens there. They're going to
1: keep doing their teardowns and, you know, as, as customary at Indy. So I did see, uh, Jeff Atkinson um, got DQ'd in Atlanta this past weekend,
0: yes.
1: and I was trying to find out. I I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but um, I I heard, and you know how racing is all rumor based, that it was a uh, throttle body issue. So uh, if anybody knows anything about that, maybe they can write in. I don't, I haven't seen anything on NHRA racer. I haven't talked to Jeff. I don't want to.
0: It was a um, it was a throttle body um NHRA was looking at throttle bodies um at Atlanta um in particular from because I after the race we we're trying to figure out what I, I, we were told they were going to start looking at throttle bodies at Atlanta um and I say we we were told you know that like the day of the race that it would you know like the question was asked to the tech department okay so what are you guys going to look at and they said throttle bodies and so they were looking at really the primarily the newer throttle bodies as opposed to the older throttle bodies, which originally, but that didn't come out till later, you know, after they are done. So they were, they were looking for aftermarket throttle bodies that were not approved. Um, and there's some, there's some discussion and I'll just be honest. I mean, um, that there's um, some confusion as to whether or not that throttle body was approved or not approved. Um, um, you know, unfortunately it wasn't on the approved list, but from what I understand that um, some people said that they had been verbally approved, but it, it hadn't been so unfortunate to Jeff that um, that he had, you know, he was, he was DQ for that. And so, well, but I, guess- I, think, I think the good news is NHRA is starting to do some form of tech.
1: And
0: are gonna start some inspections. Um, ironically, what I heard, I heard, what some racers ask, you know, being on the SREC, Some racers asked to, um, they're concerned about guys not having the right cubic inches. So they were asking, could NHRA start randomly pumping stock and super stock cars just to keep everybody honest? Yeah. And I think we all appreciate the integrity trying, I mean, NHRA has got to keep the integrity. And that's one thing as an SRAC we've complained about is that we need to have a tech department. You all got to be, you know, enforcing it. You've got to inspect these cars um, because without you guys doing it, and people, you know, especially now that there is quote unquote no tech, um, you know, you don't know what's going to show up at the track. And so to preserve our classes, stock and super stock, we need them to be, you know, to going around and doing that. So in a way, it was good to see them out there doing something and checking it. Um, checking. It, sorry for the, it's a shame about the confusion as to what happened with that. But um, uh, at least they're going out and checking it. But it, it'd be interesting to see if they start pumping them because it's it's really easy to do, and yeah and that might keep us you know
2: some people honest <laughs> i'm all for it i'm all for it well, i've been around it just a short time but it's amazing it seems like the the last few races there's been or i don't know the last few races but essentially there's been more violations in the last say six months it seems like like they obviously it, maybe I, maybe it was there before i just didn't pay attention but i feel like they're doing more teching now than they were when i started mm-hmm.
0: Well, they pulled. they pulled me over after fourth round and checked my carburetor. And so, I mean, this is a random deal, which I was glad, that they, glad they did it. You know, yeah. but it was, um, I mean, it was, it was interesting. It was four, here it is, fourth round. We're going into, we're down to four cars, you know, going into Sunday. And now they're, ter- you know, want to ter- check my carburetor. and going, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: That's what I want my opponents to be text. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. I guess that wasn't legal. Sure, I'll take that bye right. into the final. But no, I'm just I'm glad. Glad, I'm hats glad, off, I'm glad. Hats off, hats off, NHRA, and hats off to you for bringing that suggestion up and pushing yeah. that. Like that's it's really awesome to see that they're doing that now.
1: It just, I I like when they check things. I, I love that they're checking things, but um, like the confusing throttle body, like if that's checked after Q one and you tell me like that throttle body is not right or something then i can be i can either plead my argument and say well i thought it was blah 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 but i have another one in the trailer i could put on you know right. but if you're doing it after q3 or q2 or first round and i didn't know that this thing you know if it was a confusing thing if it was an actual blatant you could tell the numbers were wrong on it and the measurements were wrong on it then you know to heck what you, you you should be thrown out right. but if um I would think that the uh, diameter, you know, or if the diameter is the same, but the part number is wrong, then maybe you could let me just hurry up and see if I could find another one or the one that you need me to find. I don't know. If they're, uh, if it's something that you can fix, I would love for them to find it early. If it's pumping, you ain't fixing that by the end of the race. So you go on. See you later.
0: Well, and I think what's interesting is earlier this year, you know, I, um, at after Gainesville, and we're at Gainesville, you know, Cody got thrown out for a throttle body, and after he'd gone 120 under, they inspected him after cl- you know, when in class, and then Summers was thrown out for a carburetor um, as well after class. Um, we had an SRAC call, and the primary discuss- primary discussion first was fines versus penalties, you know, suspensions, and because NHRA, I think, levied a $2,500 fine. And to one of the two summers, but just then told Cody, okay, well, you have a illegal throttle body, but you're only going to be you're only set out that race. So there was a discussion as to NHRA thought, or under the impression that um, the SRC voted for or would like to see more financial penalties as opposed to suspensions. In reality, so those are those Division One racers that are on my email distribution list. I took a survey from the division one people so I could represent them. And hands down the one stock super stock racers said, throw people out, you know, first determine if it's cheating or if it's just a mistake. You know, if it's just a, you know, if it's uh two tenths of a CC, you know, if it's a quarter inch in wheelbase, if it's something that's just a, you know, a rounding air or something like that, that's not what they would consider flagrant cheating, you know, but if it's, if somebody's cheating, you know pretty much everyone said throw them out for a year you know make it make it hurt yeah you know don't make it a one you know because if you're if you're if it's a one race deal fine i'll if i get thrown out who cares i'll come back next week with a different one right and um
2: and then after that race put the old one back on Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and and so um any listened you know and because we, we said throwing the dollars and cents thing at people doesn't really make a difference it's I mean, one of the analogies by one of the racers that sent responses back to me said, it's like buybacks, you know, it's like, okay, I just bought back into the next race. I just wrote my check for the fine. And here I'm, here I am again. And, and none of us want to race, want to run against cheaters, you know, and I think that was, and again, it's all about maintaining the integrity of sport. And um, so it'll be interesting to see how NHRA handles, you know, the, any sort of, uh, you you know, situations where they didn't, you know, they caught somebody with, something minor or something you know cheating and going forward but that was a that was a big discussion you know across the board for um the FRAC.
2: I kind of feel for NHRA they're like the teacher for the naughty class you know everybody <laughs> everybody's trying to find that gray area to get a little faster and we all want to be teched but yet we want don't want them to tech us if we're a little grayer than the next guy like everybody has an opinion you know seems like stock super stock racers are a fairly opinionated group so uh.
0: i think one of the brian one of the one of the best things i ever heard was um and it was one year back it was in revolved in stock stock cars and um ray everham was crew chief for jeff gordon and he he had like changed 20 different things in the car and it took him like three or four times to get through tech and so they interviewed gordon afterwards he says well what do you think about everham you know having to having such time to get through tech and and he pauses a second. He goes, I think that's what we pay him for, you know, to try and not get through tech. And um, I think in our sport, oftentimes, if we try, if we get into the gray water, people oftentimes consider you a cheater, you know, as opposed to, okay, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to walk in the gray area. And um, one thing NHRA had talked about from a suspension point of view, and, and, and we had this conversation directly with them, said, NHRA, I can understand why you would want to issue fines. Because if you find somebody, you get the money, and that racer back next week and you're getting their money from them tomorrow. So you're you're not losing any revenue. If you suspend somebody, then you've lost revenue for that racer for X a period of time. And it was established, and I'm going back now 2013 when Glenn Gray was running the tech department. And, and Glenn brought over the fine situation from IndyCars where he was. And so we talked about, I said, well, we, you know, we talked about it this year. He said, yeah, I could see it in IndyCar giving fines. I could see it in NASCAR giving fines. I could see giving in the pro stock, you know, top fuel funny car. Because if you suspend any of those people, you don't have a full field. You don't have it. You can't. You can't okay. suspend them. What are you gonna do? Suspend John Force? You know, you you'd, you'd lose. You know, you're your, and so. But in stock and super stock, there's plenty of us. So, you know, we'd rather. I think that was the mindset. We'd rather suspend than fine because there's so many. You know, I mean, these cl- races are filling up with grade eight and grade seven. Um, let alone you can You know, you're just fining us. I mean, you got to do that for the pros and everybody else, otherwise you wouldn't have a show.
2: They're trying to keep us out of the national events the way it is. So that's a. <laughs>
0: that that's a whole nother subject because of when you look at the schedule for Gainesville and that was a, that was a big discussion that come in at Atlanta. And there's been a lot of emails to Josh and to Ned already this week following Atlanta about how 50% of the racers and sportsmen were gone by four o'clock on, on the right. first day. yeah, And 93% of the race sportsmen <laughs> racers were gone by 11 o'clock on Saturday. I mean, there's were guys that were coming up saying, "I don't feel like even putting out my awning because I don't, I don't know, like six hours from now, if I'm going to be going home or not." Wow. And 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 let's face it, we're not there for the money. We're there for the camaraderie, the enjoyment, the competition. You know. So you're, you know, it's
1: it's, a, it's like a getaway. It's like a, you want to make a, a at least a couple of days out of it. Yeah. And try to win, but I went to. Uh, We don't do three-day national events, really, up in the Northeast. Everything's a four-day for us, right? But I remember going out to Arizona in 2013 just to watch. They gave them two qualifying sessions on Friday and another one on Saturday morning at the national event, and then went into first round Saturday afternoon. And there were probably more cars at that event, and they finished on Sunday by, like, 4 o'clock. Whatever it was. I mean, I, I I stayed for the whole event. There was no problems. Why are they trying to rush everything, taking less cars and, and rush the schedule now? Do okay. You know? And, least-
0: and it's it's all about television. I mean, you know, get us in and get us out. But one suggestion was, and as if you look at Atlanta's schedule, you had Q one, Q two, time trial one, time trial two, whichever class you're in, and then you had eliminations for all those. And then after that you had alcohol Q one for alcohol and then you had Q one for ProMont. You could have eas- they could have easily turned around and uh, not had eliminations for stock, super stock for the sportsman guys, and brought in Q1 and Q2 for alcohol and pro mod, and made that day completely qualifying, and mm-hmm. then moved into eliminations on Saturday, it's and unknown, at least got yeah. guys, at least they were there one night, you yeah. know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, and that's been suggested, so we'll we'll see where it goes, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that makes
1: it more fun. That's the whole thing at a national event is you are supposed to be dialing your car on Friday or Saturday morning with no, you know, with your data from the day before. That's what it's the chess game. So
0: And I think I, I think you could make it actually a, a an argument that you could bring fans in because you've got, you know, alcohol and, and you know, a couple rounds of alcohol and a couple rounds of Pro Mod, you know, on Friday, you could have a nice little Friday night session.
1: Right. Yep.
0: You know, for and, and that place was packed. Oh my goodness! Was it? <laughs> you know, they had fans. Mm-hmm.
2: I think too, as, as far as with the grade points, you know, for us, where it's hard to get enough grade points. I think, you know, get rid of the quota, let 120 sign up and pay, then qualify. Take the top 70 qualifiers. There's people that'll risk it to go, and you're gonna also people are not gonna hold back. You're gonna run run all out if you want to make the race. Well, I don't get that. Ah,
0: Stephenson. I'm sorry. Interesting, Brian. You brought that up because that was a suggestion from a racer in Division Three to for national events to bring more people in, but qualify the field, but not at 128. Qualify. I mean, the number came out of like 48. You know, and um, you know, so bring 60. You know, bring 80 guys in or whatever. Or bring 64 in and qualify 48. You know, could it potentially help the automatic horsepower factor system? Probably, but. I've got some friends that run Top Dragster, and they watch the entry list, and they'll bail at the last minute if they feel like they can't qualify. So I'd hate to see, you know, the the unintended consequences could very well be is the fact that now people won't go to the points races so much because they feel like, you know, trying to strive for the eight great points. They'll stop going to those because they realize, you know, hey, I'm a a six-tenth-under player. I can't qualify at a national event but I could go to eight points races in order to get in, you know? And so now I, you'd, you'd be, I'd be concerned that you would lose racers because of the fact that they, you know, and of course the argument is, well, we're performance based class, spend more money on your carb, but well, we, we know how many gray hair guys that are out there, out there, you know, that are retired that are, are work off budgets, you know? Yeah. So, so it, it's an interesting dilemma.
1: Double-edged sword there. Yeah. I don't, there's no perfect scenario. We, we we just keep trying to figure it out and figure it out. But um man, Atlanta was absolutely packed. They were honoring tickets from last year and selling new tickets for this year. So it was uh it was amazing. And then Walmart was even there giving out free COVID shots to uh anybody who wanted them. The last I had heard, they had only given out thirty one shots on Saturday out of the how many thousands of people that were there. They were trying to get to fifty. They were trying to get fifty shots by the end of the weekend. I think was their goal.
0: That's a shame. I know that I heard that the number three guy in Walmart was there for the announcement, as was the governor of yep. um, Atlanta. Was there and sat in Clay Milliken's car.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, how do you like to be the governor, and you're at this racetrack, and the place is packed. And there's people all over the place, and you know that, and you know it's being sold and being shut down, and you're never gonna have a race again. I mean, you got to be looking around, sitting there, saying, "Boy, this stimulates the hell out of this economy." And, right. and now we, you know, we don't have any type of venue like this in the state of Georgia anymore.
1: Stimulated commerce, Georgia. What else is going to stimulate commerce, in Georgia, like that event just did this past weekend? Well, I, I, what's going there? I, I've heard so many different things. I heard there's a battery factory down the down the street that's going in. I know that, but but Amazon warehouse was going over the track. They were building condos or a townhouse uh, condos, I think, right at the top of the staging lanes.
0: Yep. I hear um we the, an NHRA, the guy parking us at NHRA said that you know originally it was gonna be the, the battery group, but that was around the corner that Amazon bought it for like six point five or somewhere around in there.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: I would have I would have bought it for six point five if we could have an event like that uh, once a month. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I guess it's, you, you know, you, you see it, it's sad to see that here, your own association, you know, where you've got, we got tracks that are falling by the wayside for whatever reason, you know, and, and that you would hope that your own association, you know, could maintain at least, you know, these tracks so that we could preserve the sport in certain regions of the country.
2: I th- I think that's where it comes down to, you know, like we have a really good associate or stock super stock association here with Midwest class racers, but, you know, you got to sponsor those guys. And whether it's a quarter mile or an eighth mile, I mean, you got to sponsor all the tracks because they're they're not going to be around forever if we don't. And, you know, as racers, I think that's one good thing about our association is everybody's really come together and supported that thing. And, you know, there's some guys behind the scenes really putting in a lot of work. But, I mean, without them, we wouldn't have nothing. I wouldn't have a stock, super stock car, you know. It's going to go away if the racers are going to have to kind of pick up the reins. You know, even like some of these big money races, like, ohannon and butner i mean those guys are helping kind of drive people into back into that sport i mean you get some big name bracket guys looking for stock cars to come Mm -hmm. racing those
0: sure and i think um i think if you look at some of the bracket racing because of all the big money bracket stuff i think there's a lot of racers that have not supported their local bracket tracks anymore because they're saving their money to go to these big money races so the local tracks might be hurting on the weekends as well because they don't have the same turnout I know Glot here has now moved to having twin $5,000 races once a month, you know, for their bracket program to try and get the car count, because um, they just couldn't get it with just, you know, your average, th- you know, $2,000 to win or whatever. Wow.
1: Yeah. And that's better than we used to race for at Maple Grove, and they would, we would fill up four lanes with bracket cars, you know, on a given weekend when I first started. Uh, they, that track's in a good spot though. They. Uh, they always get a good car count. But um, before we let you go, Ken, I just do, because since since you're our representative, what is um, what is one rule that you would like to see changed in super stock or stock, but whichever, either of the categories, just if you have a rule in mind that you would like to see adjusted?
0: Actually, I probably, you know, this is going to sound weird, is that let's not make any more rule changes because every time we make a rule change, it costs racers more money and so i mean this sport has gotten so expensive the way it is now when you think about what super stock motors cost and stock motors cost you know and you look at a stock motor and when i look at back in the days when i used to run it you know i was helping on a stock motor on the dyno yesterday at John's shop at john west shop and you know here it's got roller rockers and i mean you you know you look at the stuff that all this it has and i'm like going that's just driven the cost for our sport up which makes it harder as an entry and so part of which is we've got a. my opinion, this is solely my opinion, and everyone's got one, that if we make, if we keep expanding this and keeping allowing more and more stuff, um, and, and it gets more and more expensive, we just are making it harder and harder for the next, for the next generation to get into the sport. And I think that's something we got to be mindful of. Um, I mean, I know when I started and I did Stock Eliminator when I was you know, 18 years old, you know, I, I had, a, I had the a 1969 Olds 98 with a flat you know, little drag light trailer I bought for 900 bucks and that, and I was styling, you know, with my soccer and, you know, guys don't do that anymore, you know? And so it's just gotten so expensive to get in it. So I think we need to be cautious about just continuing to allow more and more things because as soon as you do, everyone's got an upgrade. And it just gets, keeps getting more and more expensive. So I'm probably more the proponent of looking out for our racers today and saying, let's, let's try and keep, you know, if don't make stockers super stockers, don't make super stockers cop car.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And so, so that may not be what you were looking for. Ah, but, I,
1: I uh, hear you. That's a good answer. I, I like that. Brian, what do you think about that? Oh,
2: no, I agree hundred percent. That's, You know, you can sit there and rule a thing to death, and then we can complain they're not following, you know, they're not cracking down on rule violations. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's anything competitive. The competitive people are going to drive and always be pushing and putting money into it, and it's, I think there's a lot to find in, you know, for, there's a lot of entry-level combos, and I know talking to John McLaughlin in St. Louis, like, he wants to come out and do an episode so bad and talk about budget stalkers. Like, you know, there's no reason, all of my friends at Bracket Race, there's cars and combos out there that you could go out and buy for less than ten fifteen thousand dollars and come and be competitive in the sport are you gonna have to work on your driving skills yes there's a lot of things you can work on that don't cost you money but you know for my combination it's i have a i have a slow a stock car that ls1's been beaten you know i don't have a huge budget to put into it so i'm never going to be the fastest guy out there but just have to work better at driving and have fun with it i guess
0: That'd be a sort of a cool show to have. I know Billy Neese is another guy yeah. that, that likes to come out with the budget cars, you know, and, uh, you could have a panel of, you know, you know, okay. Ernie put Ernie Neal in that group as well, you know, cause he always finds that oddball company.
1: <laughs> we need Billy niece, Ernie Neal, John McLaughlin. We got to put together the list. We'll have a whole, by then our equipment will allow us to do all that. Right. Right. Brian and Craig. <laughs> yes, all right. It will. And, yeah. I think it will. I think we'll be fine. So Kent, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on your almost double up in uh, Atlanta. Superstock win, super comp runner up. And at least you got the win in the cooler class. I mean, let's be honest here. There
0: you go. <laughs> well, thank you. and I appreciate the invite and you guys are killing it. You know, you're doing a great job. We appreciate it. You know it's helping our sport and helps you know bring class race to the front and that's and we all know how important that is and so we thank you very much
1: all right kent you have a good one take care all right everybody thanks for joining us remember today's episode was brought to you by coffee coffee by artisan so coffee by go on there join the race team get a free shirt get a free hack at 15 percent off of your coffee purchase find us on social media facebook instagram youtube apple Class Racing Today for all four of those, and classracingtoday.com is our website. If you want to hit us up, classracingtoday at gmail.com. Thank you all. Have a good week. See you at the track.